0: listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. Hi, everybody. What is new? How are you? Welcome to the show. We are in kind of a busy household today because people are out and about moving around. So if you hear stuff in the background, deal with it. That is my life. That is the COVID recording podcast at home lifestyle. Um, But it's cool. I dig it. Whatever. No biggie. (laughs) Uh, Today's a really good episode. I'm excited because it's been a while since I've had an illustrator on the show and if you've heard me talk about my history and maybe you heard me talk on a bunch of these other podcasts i just did the iFilm podcast and we talked about this i wanted to be a comic book artist growing up as a kid i loved comic books it was my it was my escape right i was grounded for for years because my grades were so bad and i wasn't allowed to watch tv and so i was sneaky my little hack was that oh no big deal i'll go read It's had stacks and stacks of comic books to go through. Um, And that experience has kind of shaped the way I do my business. It's it's shaped the way I do my art, it's shaped the way I do my photography, and it's shaped the way I direct my movies. I love creating a story within a a two-dimensional frame. And whether you're doing that with a pen and piece of paper, or if you're doing that with a crew of 50 people and some fancy new camera, it's the same thing. One just takes a lot longer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh but today's episode i was super pumped about because i've been a fan of his work for a while i just recently posted on instagram so if you guys have been following me on instagram at Mike mikepecci or following the podcast i'm in love with the process pod that's in love with the process pod on instagram you may have caught the post that i did recently the jaws illustration that is amazing the perspective on that illustration is phenomenal Um, and when I posted that, I ended up reposting it from a friend and I didn't know who the artist was. And, uh, luckily, uh, you guys posted his name and then he got on there and he was super excited and we talked briefly and I'm like, dude, I'd love to have you on the show. Your work is fucking astounding. Uh, and he agreed the power of Instagram. I I have such a love hate relationship with that fucking thing. You know, like I love the fact that I have access to all these really wonderful people and I can convince them to be on the show. I hate filters. It drives me crazy. <laughs> so today's episode, I'm going to sit down and I'm gonna talk to Sam. I really want to dig in deep with him um, because I'm curious about how he creates uh, his pop culture artwork, um, where he gets his ideas from, where he starts from. And now, of course, you're like, okay, well, he does a lot of stuff for movies, so he just watches the movie and makes... illustration, but that's not necessarily true because his stuff isn't a direct drawing from a film. He does a really good job of capturing the moment and capturing the essence of a character in an original sketch, which is fascinating to me. I'm also curious about uh, what it's like to be drawing for commercial clients, drawing for editorials. It's interesting that the industry sort of come back around again, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with the old Mondo posters and all that stuff. It all became like really intense collectibles and then all of like the art directors got really nerdy about that and so now people are hiring illustrators and you're seeing like a lot of illustrated magazine covers i mean he did a magazine cover for empire magazine with baby yoda that's amazing and of course everybody loves baby yoda so i'm sure that magazine sold off the shelves <laughs> uh, but i'm excited i can't i'm very happy to have sam gilby on the show and we're gonna get into it Uh, very shortly here. I just wanted to thank all of you guys for following, for supporting us, and for suggesting us to your friends. And if you're listening to this and you go, Mike, what are you talking about? I haven't suggested you to anybody. Shame on you, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Why aren't you telling your friends? Why don't you tell your family? I know this foul-mouthed piece of shit that thinks he knows everything about everything. You should listen to him. You know? And they're gonna go, yeah, yeah, he's cool, right? Yeah, he's totally cool. I should listen to his show. Can you tell that I am punch drunk on doing podcasts? I'm telling you, I got a bunch of great episodes on the way. I've got a lot of really exciting guests lined up. So definitely tell your friends and definitely tune in. Every Tuesday we drop. So do me a favor. If you like the shows, if you like what you're hearing, leave us a comment, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super simple to do. If you're using it on your phone, Just scroll to the bottom. It'll seem like you're going to have to scroll through hundreds of episodes. You won't. You'll eventually land at the bottom where it says reviews. Leave me a review on your phone. And why is that helpful to me? Why did I spend? Why did I waste my breath telling you about it? Because the more reviews we get, the better the algorithm picks us up. The more people that listen to the show, the more people that listen to the show, the bigger the guests I can get. So when I start asking Arnold Schwarzenegger's people about having them on the show and they go, how many people listen to your show? We go, thousands, thousands of people love us. (laughs) Make it happen, everybody. Let's do it together. Um, All right. Without further ado, get ready to get nerdy. If you are a Marvel fan, if you're a comic book fan, if you're an illustrator, if you're someone that has an imagination and you don't have an outlet for it yet and you're looking for a place to do it, today's episode's for you. So grab those noise-canceling headphones. Find a nice, comfy place to relax, disappear, sit back, and enjoy the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. Sam, thanks for being on the show.
1: Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, it's cool. I, I love the fact that, uh, unfortunately, we're both stuck in quarantine, but the fact, due to the internet, you and I are having conversations, you're, where are you, you're in the UK, right?
1: I'm in the UK. I'm in a little town called Bedford, which is about 50 miles north of London. So, down south, basically. But um, it's always been, like, at the moment, obviously, you can't go anywhere. But when we can, again, it's nice to be close to the capital.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, and then yeah. I, I'm talking to you, you from, I'm talking to you from a post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic at Los Angeles <laughs> right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> but we have a good connection. It sounds like, so it's cool.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. And look, I, I appreciate you agreeing to be on the show because uh, your work is fantastic. And uh, as you saw, I saw, like I was really turned on to your stuff with that Jaws illustration that you did that I posted Um
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, in that case, I think I have uh, Matt Griffin to thank because he, he, I think he must have, he's a great artist. Um mm-hmm. does some lovely stuff. He, he was uh, following you already and he, he saw your post and he just kind of uh, gave me the heads up on it and uh, you kindly updated it with a tag and stuff. So yeah, here we are. Yeah, dude. But yeah, thank you.
0: Of course, man. And and I've know Matt's done illustrations for my movies. Matt Matt's awesome. So Matt and I get along. He's, he's, oh, you know Matt.
1: Oh, there you go. Yeah, okay.
0: he's done an episode of the show with us. He's great, man. Um, and uh, you know, I love talking to illustrators on the show because I, when I was younger, that's kind of the path that I thought I was going to take. I really wanted to be a comic book illustrator. I really wanted to do that in, in my uh, right my career path sort of shifted into doing movies and directing movies, which is kind of the same thing, except all my brushes are cranky and they have wife problems at home. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So, well, yeah, I mean, the the comics thing, I mean, that's kind of where I was thinking originally too, like, yeah, I'll definitely, I'm going to go into comics and then even, even within staying within illustration, obviously there's so many different ways you can, you can go. And, and actually I, I feel now, you know, where I'm at is where is where I want to be, and the people who do comics—I mean, fair play to them—but the whole idea of doing sequential art—that's a whole, other, yeah, you know, in, incredible art form, um, and the, the kind of dedication you need to be able to be able to kind of keep those keep those pages coming—is that must be seriously intense.
0: It, and what I've like—I spent some time with Ben Templesmith, Smith, and, and uh, I watched—I shadowed him for a little bit, and I was doing a little piece with him, and I watched how he did his illustrations and we started to talk about the business of comic books and how much they get paid per page and how much they get paid per panel and then when I chatted with him he was like look it's no strange thing that my illustrations look like this because they're faster for me to be able to bang out and I was like oh fascinating! I never thought about that you know
1: Um, totally yeah because you're you're thinking about you know you don't be getting minimum wage or you know or less than uh, because and that's partly why I guess I can't do comics because as you see my stuff is kind of detailed most of the time mm-hmm. um, so yeah i'm kind of i'd love to do like comic covers is still a thing i'd love very much love to do mm-hmm. but yeah that that's that's about that's that's as far as i want to go into that into that world i think but you know i still i still love comics and i have a great respect for those who are able to do it but yeah that's not for me anymore
0: <laughs> well i mean yeah. being the cover artist is like the superhero anyways i mean it's the cover art that <laughs> that pulls the books in i don't know how many issues as a kid that i would i'd be so excited i'd see the cover and go wow and then i'd open it up and I'd go oh the rest of the art's not that good <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know um, well i guess that's the thing the cover you get longer to spend on it because, yeah. yeah but uh totally you know, gotta to rush through but then but yeah man comic, comics my first love for sure
0: yeah, me too, man. And, and and then talking about cover work, that's what you get paid to do, essentially. So you're doing a lot of, like, um, pop culture artwork, and then you've uh, been hired to do covers, like, illustrated covers for, like, uh, Empire Magazine. I gotta just say this. I think it's so cool being a comic book nerd and being, like, an old illustrated movie poster nerd. I think it's so rad that we're sort of coming back around again, and we're seeing all this yeah. really great illustrated content out there, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, It's really interesting, like the kind of, um, I guess, like the alternative movie poster scene, almost, it kind of came out of almost a frustration that there wasn't, like most movie marketing Mm -hmm. um, had, you know, gone very, gone towards Photoshop and got less imaginative and less, and when you think of like the golden age of movie posters, you think of like, well, I certainly think of the 80s, uh, you know, the hand-posted art by Drew Struzan, and and the like um so yeah i think and then what's kind of cool though is if you think of things like you know like mondo and then galleries like bottleneck and and gray matter art like now posters have become popular and then we're doing artists like myself are doing like licensed posters that then you know the so the studios are kind of they they want to make the most out of this what started out as an alternative scene mm-hmm. in a way um and it's kind of from time to time whilst it is often classic movies from time to time and increasingly it's also kind of new releases and that's always that's super exciting so yeah like it's kind of come full circle i think
0: and how does you know as much as a, as much of a detail as you want to go into it how does the licensing thing work do you just contact the you know the distributor and you're just like i want to do some posters and they give you the right to do posters like how does that how does that game work
1: well like as the artist um you're i guess one step removed so what i'm trying to do is uh i try and work with with companies who have who've already acquired the license uh-huh. but the way i understand it works from their point of view is like you you're paying a certain amount amount to have that license mm-hmm um, which I guess is going to be over like a a three to five year period, uh, you know. The the more you spend, the more extensive that license can be. But uh, yeah, so I, I uh, I've been lucky enough to make like so that Jaws poster in a way that was one of the first ones I did, I suppose. So that was with Universal, and then I was also able to do E.T. and Jurassic Park, um, and and um, you know, so it's it's really been really amazing to do that. But in terms of, as the artist, what I'm doing is you often have to submit your sketch. So the studio has to see your sketch before they kind of give you the green light to make it. Hmm. Um, So sometimes you might get a note on a sketch or, you know, sometimes you might spend, you might have a sketch come back to you, you know, a couple of times. Um, But equally other times they'll just be like, yeah, go ahead and make it. And then, (laughs) you know, you you, you go and paint it, uh, submit your final again, There could be notes. Sometimes there are, sometimes there aren't. It really varies. Uh, And it just, you know, and sometimes you're able to include actors in in terms of their face face or faces, Mm -hmm. and other times you can't. Um, And it really just depends. So um, I've kind of enjoyed, like I always thought of myself as being like a portrait artist. I certainly include portraits when I can. But actually, like in the case of Jaws, where I wasn't able to, that kind of opened up another way for me to work. Where I realized, like, the, the kind of the, the core element is my, I guess, the, the painting and a, a fairly detailed style. Although I'm not trying to be photorealistic. Mm-hmm. I want it to look like it's painted by by hand. Um, and then really, that's the core of it. And then there's like a Venn diagram, I guess. And sometimes I can include include the actors and include, show their faces. And that's great. But if I can't and if I love a movie and I want to explore it, then it's it's still fun. To, to kind of look, to think at what how I can make it work.
0: Well, I mean, you know, talking about the Jaws one, the thing I loved about it was that essentially you fell in love and you sketched out one of the best shots that I love in that fucking movie is where Quint is standing up on the I forget what they call that the mast or whatever and he's up on top and the camera's yeah. mounted above him and it's just such a genius, uh, A, it was like a genius perspective from Spielberg, but also I thought that you uh, recapturing that and painting that and sort of taking that moment from being what is essentially like a quick cutaway. You know, when you watch the movie, it happens so fast. And you're like, I don't know why the sequence is so cool, but it's cool. And you've taken Mm -hmm. this thing and immortalized it as a still image, which I think is phenomenal, dude. I think it's a fantastic image. Oh, thank
1: you. Thank you. I mean, the funny thing about that is like, almost like a piece of advice I would give to any artist would be... You know, never like if you want to make a movie poster, <laughs> don't like pause the movie and like just paint a frame. You know, mm-hmm. you've got it. It's got to be more than that. And, but this was a weird case of like, I just saw something in because there is actually, a, a, you know, there's a there's a pan and the boat that the, the orca is like actually at an angle in the shot. And it's kind of it's moving about in the water. And then Quint, you know, he he. It basically follows Quint as he looks across, right? And it is like you say, it's very brief insert mm-hmm. shot. Mm-hmm. But I just I just realised like, oh, if I there's something about taking that, making it vertical, so it's gonna work as a portrait poster. And then I basically everything else is kind of it was really all about the playing cards. So Hooper's all the cards are kind of at a forty five degree angle. Mm. So once the ship is vertical, they're at this angle, and then and then if you look at Quint, it's like hit the his jacket and the the kind of the shoulder strap on there that's at the same angle and then that's why then then i realized like oh yeah then if the shark is the fin is just in the corner and Mm -hmm. in fact a lot of people have said they've not even noticed it kind of the first time they've looked at it which is kind of you know which is cool originally i had the shark was much more noticeable like a shadow taking up you know a huge part of the the poster but and you know it's a bit of artistic license because quinn has got to be obviously from up there in theory you'd see it so it's just got to be distracted turned away enough that you can believe that he's not seen it yet um and yeah and then and then the title as well just putting that at the angle is like the final thing that just brings it all together so yeah it's hopefully you know yes it's there's a it's a very direct inspiration in this case which is actually unusual but it's about making something that's like hopefully the the you know what's the saying um the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, you know?
0: Well, yeah, and you've done a great job capturing the assets. I mean, the thing that was great about Quinton as a character was that, you know, he had that bravado. He had that experience. He had that edge. And the, what I love about that shot from Spielberg initially is that in that pan and in the way he moved on top of that boat, uh, he mm. just felt like he he's got this confidence. He's got this confidence to be up there. He's got this confidence to be... Uh, that high and and feel safe but also um you're seeing like essentially like he's that badass guy that shows up midway in the film you know what i mean like the guy that's that's got that experience yeah. he's like you've never you never killed a fish before you know what i mean like he he walks in with okay. that bravado and that image that you did captures it without seeing his face yeah which i which i yeah, yeah. i fucking love it and it doesn't surprise me that people don't notice the fin because you're so hyper-focused on that moment, on that, like, man, Quinn was a fucking really? badass in that movie. And that, that's what that poster yeah. does really well, you know?
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you.
0: Yeah, um, Actually, this was really
1: cool. You know, on um, on Facebook, you can do a 3D image. And this was, I, I tried that. Like, you know, you can you can do it two ways. There's an automatic way, which gets you a pretty good results. But you can also... In Photoshop, basically, if you paint in black and white, kind of on top of your image, and you upload two photos, so you upload the full color poster, and then you mm-hmm. upload a black and white where I think it's like anything white is is closest to you, mm-hmm. and then you know gray is going to be in the middle. So I kind of painted over it, uh, looking at all the depth of everything, and it was yeah, it was pretty awesome actually. <laughs> <laughs> I must, I'll put that up again.
0: Yeah, please that was do. Cool. Oh, dude, it's, it's rad, man. It, 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 like I said, that's what caught my eye initially. And I was like, man, this guy, this guy has got a great perspective because there's a lot of illustrators out there right now and there's a lot of people that are basically doing the portrait stuff. And I think personally, the stuff that I hated about movie posters as you sort of got into the 2000s and the whole Photoshop thing mm-hmm. was like, it was like, it's obvious that they just had the actor stand in front of like a white background and then they just start Photoshopping heads in and they start stacking them. And it just, the compositions yeah. are terrible. Like, the, the, uh, the emotion off the actors is false. It doesn't feel like the characters at all. Um, and what I like about your work is it seems like you spend more time looking for the emotion on these people, looking for the feeling that you get from them, as opposed to just yeah. saying, like, hey, I gotta, you know, paint this guy's face on here, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what I've always loved about, you know, a really well done movie poster where where you know faces are involved. It's like you're trying to hold the the gaze of the viewer. So composition is obviously is so important because you want the you want the viewer's gaze to be kind of bouncing around and basically any way you've got an eye line, uh, that's going to lead you off whichever way that character is looking. Mm-hmm. So a, a thing I still see a lot is you see characters looking out of a poster. And unless you've got something at the edge that, that kind of pings you back in, uh, you're just kind of leaving that image. So, so I try where possible to, you know, it's like, how am I going to keep this, keep someone looking at this? And yeah, like you say, it's also about finding, you've got to find that right. Little, it's like finding that right frame
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, or, you know, or, or your right reference photo and often you're combining a few things. So like, it's very rare that you're going to get a perfect still, but what you might find is you, there's a great facial expression in one shot, or or maybe even a Google image uh, that you find, but then you're taking the lighting from another scene, for instance. Mm. So, and I think I think what you get, what you're able to do then as a painter, and of course, you know, Photoshop's great. You, you, as if you have good photography, you can do a good collage poster. But for me, it's only in, it's only when you paint it and you get it going through like the filter, as it were, not literally a filter. But when it's going through an artist's, uh, you know, palette and brushes, Mm -hmm. that's when you, even if it's based on photographic reference, that's when you can make something really sing. Because it's just about, it's just something about the way that it all kind of combines together. That you just, I don't know, it just doesn't have the soul. Even if it's executed really well in Photoshop. Um, Like I would say that, that to me comes to mind for like the, some of the, like the episode 789 mm-hmm. Star Wars posters. Mm-hmm. I mean, A, they've got the problem of it. There's a lot of things you're going to have to include in them uh, compositionally. I mean, we could talk about that all day, but <laughs> I'd say they're pretty good. Um, but the, the thing is for me, it's just like, they've, you know, they've hired John Williams to do the music. And, um, you know, in a lot of ways, they're a callback to the original movies and uh, nostalgia. To yes. me, it was a great a missed opportunity to not also make the posters, you know, hand painted. um Not to say that it would have been, you know, obviously, I'd have loved to have done them. But just there's lots of great artists who could have done it. That was just an obvious thing to me that felt like if they want to tap into that that nostalgia, which they were clearly trying to do in every other way. Yeah, that was a, that was an obvious thing they missed.
0: Yeah, and I don't know. Like, I agree with you completely on that. Like. It just seems like uh, I, I have a lot of issues with those, anyways. But it, it, you yeah. know, maybe take a lesson. Maybe take a lesson from the Mandalorian, where the uh, the sketch artwork is so great that they use it for the uh, end end titles on that show. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. the yeah. the concept art that comes out of Lucas Arts is just astounding. Like the 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 artist and the caliber that they have working there is just fucking phenomenal. And the, really, the big yeah. reason why I watch those movies is because of that imagination, because of that world building that Lucas always had. Um, And Mm. I feel like those newer movies didn't really have that. It was sort of like, I felt like I was standing in line at Disney World waiting to get on a ride. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, they've been kind of bringing that back with The Mandalorian and it's taken them at least a season to sort of get there. But I thought the last season... I was like, okay, you guys got me back. You got this old cynical guy back in.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, I don't know if you yeah. agree with me or not, but...
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's brought so many people back in that, that maybe weren't so convinced about the, the recent movies. I have mixed feelings about them, but... Um, which, yeah, let's not get into that. <laughs> but, uh, but I do... But yeah, The Mandalorian is just in this this kind of real sweet spot, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and maybe there's something about it being episodic, I think, where it just feels like... Like it has, you know, obviously overall, it's, it's actually is very epic the way it taps into like bigger story, Mm -hmm. but it's just also really cool where some weeks you're just, uh, they're just going off on this kind of side quest. Mm -hmm. So uh, I guess it's more of a, I don't know, it's almost more of a video game format, but which is kind of really cool. Yeah, totally. Um, Mm -hmm. And it feels like they can, they can both kind of take their time with telling it, but also they don't hang about either. It's just a perfect balance. It's just absolutely loved it. And, like you say, yeah, just seeing the concept art is, is uh, at the end is like a real bold move. I feel like we, well, I can't think of another. No. Certainly, this is the first time with Star Wars, you know, unless you buy the books afterwards. Um, and, I mean, concept art for me was like another avenue, a bit like comics, where I used to, I mean, I remember for, well, like episode one, Phantom Menace, I remember buying the concept art books mm-hmm. for that and, you know, being blown away by that stuff and thinking, wow, I mean, maybe I'd love to go in this direction. That's maybe what I could do. And again, I just think what I love, what I realize I love to do is take, I'm, I want to take something that is already there that has inspired me. And it's trying to just, I don't know, capture it in your, in your own way, bring it to life, kind of sum up the feelings it gives you mm-hmm. um, without being like, like you say, like the, those concept dots are just, they're just incredible. Like just, to make that stuff out of nothing and i guess you know it's it's a case of like in the case of star wars you have a whole history of that you've got all these if you're making a new spaceship you've got lots of spaceships to you know to get yourself into that world in the first place and if you're doing a a desert planet or you know snow planet of course there's reference to both star wars and the real world and that's it's the way that it's grounded is makes it so good but The way that they kind of are able to build off of that and just make these unbelievable new things you've never seen before is always amazing
0: yeah it's crazy to me because you know i i'm sure you've done the same thing like i've suffered from staring at the white page before where you're just sort of looking at it going (laughs) like what the what the fuck am i going to (laughs) draw
2: yeah like how
0: how often do you have to deal with that when you start an illustration are you usually inspired by like Back to the Future? Are you like checking out Back to Future, going like, if I was going to do this, I would do that, you know? And so then, if you sit down you do it, or are you, you know, staring at a white piece of paper, going like, what the fuck am I going to do for Back to the Future?
1: Yeah. I think that's interesting, isn't it? Because like, I guess if your if your job is a concept artist, for instance, then I can imagine that could well end up being the case. Because like, you know, it's Monday morning, right? What I got to do this week. <laughs> but when, but in my case, if I'm making posters or if I'm working with with clients. I actually like to have a few projects on the go at the same time. So I, I kind of don't, I, I never have the problem with the blank page because I wait till I've figured out, I let my, like whilst I'm working on like finishing a, a poster, mm-hmm. uh, my subconscious is figuring out the next one, I guess. So if it's a, in the case of a movie, I've watched that movie again, um, or I've watched it, you know, a couple of times. And I've got an idea that's maybe like just in the back of my head kind of starting to form Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and then what you find is like by the time you finish your current project which you're enjoying doing it but you're also sick of it like (laughs) you're also ready for the next thing right (laughs) yep and you're trying to get the you're enjoying that final bit of getting the final details in but you're also like oh man this because I mean maybe there's a deadline as well so maybe it's like this thing has got to go out today yeah well, or it's going to be a big problem. Um, and then I find that that's the time then is that you're almost on the come down from that one. And that's when you're just ready and you're open for this new idea. And that's the most exciting time then. So it's almost like, yeah, you, you've got a blank canvas, but only for a, a split second because you're like, right, you've got all that energy because you've been desperate to start a new thing.
0: Mm hmm. And how, um, how long yeah. how long does it take you to usually do one? How long does it take you to do like like the Baby Yoda ones that you did? <laughs> how long did it take you to do those?
1: Uh, the, so the Empire covers well. I mean, I guess uh, I only had about a week and a half up to make those. Wow! So they were both pretty t- quite turnaround, qu- pretty quick turnarounds, which um, actually isn't normally the case of, with Empire. But I mean, I think they've said on their uh, on their podcast and stuff because of COVID and because of cinemas getting closed, they had to very quickly change their plans. Whereas normally, you know, their covers um, for this. So, so I've done two Baby Yoda covers, which are for the subscribers. So there's a newsstand cover, which has more of the typography on it. And then they often commission an artist to make um, the subscriber cover, which is just going to be artwork hmm. or photography in some cases, but they're really cool to get to. And I'd, I'd hoped to make one for years. And I, last year I got to or amazingly got to do two, which is awesome one for the beginning of The Mandalorian, which came to the UK, it was like last March, so we got it late. And then at the end of the year, doing uh, sort of end of season two. Um, but yeah, I think both of us had a week and a half, but like I say, Empire had to very quickly change all their plans because theaters are closed and normally they're planning their covers for months in advance, like this Marvel movie is going to be out, so we're gonna, right. that's going to be our cover.
0: Right.
1: So, but, you know, but it worked out in my favor because I was able to kind of get stuck in and when that happens, you know, again, it's like, I mean, they had they had a concept. So um, I was able to kind of just hit the ground running. And in those cases, you know, it's like too good an opportunity to turn down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're being asked to paint Star Wars. You're getting to paint, you know, in this case, like the most popular pop culture character probably of the year um, <laughs> in, in Baby Yoda, who we now know as Grogu. And um, so you're just like, it's, it's that weird feeling you're, you're both excited uh, so you're desperate to get on with it. You're sort of terrified because it's like there isn't much time. But, you know, you find a way basically. Um, and I was lucky in both cases. Like in a way, if you, if you have a tight deadline suddenly comes in, as long as your other projects have a little bit of wiggle room, they are able to just like extend them out a little bit further. Then mm-hmm. it's okay. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, something might come in where you just have to say no. But luckily in this case, I was able to do it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been amazing to see the reaction of it. And um, it was just – and even having um, Pedro Pascal himself, the Mandalorian, even, like, shared shared the artwork, which was just nuts. So, you know. That's amazing, dude. And
0: and being able to contribute because Empire – there aren't many uh, magazines left that are doing that sort of things. So Empire is like one of the last and, and the fact that Empire still has subscribers and they do those specialty covers. That's really fucking cool. I didn't know that actually. Um,
1: yeah, no, it's really great. And uh, I think um, I'm, well, hopefully I say that both, you know, for, for both artists, you know, me specifically artists in general, and, you know, the magazine sure. industry, it would be, it would be really great to see more magazines. Cause I, I think, the point being that this strategy is, is working for them, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, if, cause people want to collect stuff and if you get an exclusive cover and it's going to have an amazing piece of art on it, um, then that you can't get anywhere else, then it's gotta be a good way for, for some other magazines to go in different industries, I guess, not just movies, but obviously it works particularly well. So yeah, hopefully. we'll we'll see that kind of model work in other ways.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I can't help but chuckle. It makes me think of, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but there was this great scene in Mad Men where the, you know, because that was when, I think that was like a 1950s advertising where one of their illustrators was just desperately trying to stay employed amongst the (laughs) photographers and they were just sort of weaning him out because they used to do illustrated advertising all the time back then. Um, yeah. And I love that it's, that it's coming back. And I, I mean, I started my career as a photographer and I would do for like large publications, like big epic uh, photograph covers for them. But my influences were always comic books. So I spent so long yeah. trying to get my work to feel like it was illustrated, to feel that way and, yeah. and to try to figure out how to physically light something the way that you can simply paint it was, which was like a fascinating frustration on like how to get the lights <laughs> to do exactly what a brush would do and an illustrator would do and then trying to yeah. figure out the right lenses because you can really exaggerate perspective when you're drawing it um, but you're still mm. very much restricted to the to the science behind glass when you're shooting it Um yes so, yeah yeah so it's, yeah I
1: mean oh man mad, I mean Mad Men I, just, I love that show but uh, yeah and almost with that show, I always felt i wanted it was great, but I wanted more meetings yeah <laughs> <laughs> I wanted I, I wanted more meetings with the artists coming in and showing off their stuff because it was it was really cool um
2: yeah, 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 totally,
1: but yeah, I mean I, I've done some you know because like prior to now I'm a full time artist. Before that, I was like, um, I was, I've been freelancing for 15 years doing that, but also doing graphic design and, Mm -hmm. and like website design. So I was sometimes going into advertising agencies and uh, working on, on pitches for campaigns and stuff. And it's interesting because like, you do still get that stuff. There are a lot of these ad ad agencies do have amazing artists who are just, but just doing, you know, the artwork never ends up on the final thing. It's always photography, but Mm -hmm. just for doing the, the sketches and, you know, the they're super good. You see some really
0: great concepts. It's crazy. Um, and the ad world is such a strange place. Like, it's going in and doing pitches or going in and uh, having meetings with like a <laughs> room full of quote-unquote creatives, and you're like, okay, what's happening here? Who's the Who's the actual boss in this room? Who's the person I'm supposed to be appealing to? I've always found yeah. it fascinating, especially... Uh, cause I more so deal with it on commercials, like directing commercials and that sort of thing. Sure. Um, yeah. and I always turn to art. I always turn to sketches. Like I'll sketch stuff out. I, I believe in storyboarding out my entire film. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. either do it or I'll have uh, storyboard artists do it, uh, because it captures yeah. the imagination and it's like the purest form of taking an idea and, uh, I, in the most inexpensive way possible, uh, seeing if it works. You know, like pre-editing this idea and going through it with storyboards and, and key frame art and all that. Um, and I, yep. I love it. It's, it's, it. At the end of the day, it's the closest that it's ever going to be to my imagination. And then everything else is sort mm. of disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, making something is always, uh, you know, however happy you are with it at the end. It's never what you had in your head. And it's always like as you get through your career, it's just you feel like you're maybe getting a bit closer to mm-hmm. you know to what you had in your head, mm-hmm. but um, it's yeah. That, I mean, but that, that then we keep coming back and doing more stuff, and I th- I think the motivation is almost like you're just you're desperately trying to get that sweet spot where you actually reach what you had in mind, right? But you never can. Um, but totally. maybe you can just you know improve ever so slightly each time. And, you you know, my philosophy is almost like, and I'm sure for any artist or anyone creative, as you finish, you know, you kind of save your piece for the, the last time, put it back in the folder, and then your head is like, okay, the next thing is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, that, You know, that one was okay. <laughs> that one worked <laughs> out all right, but next, this next thing, man, I'm going to smash it. You know, and the fact is, You know the inevitability of that is like you never quite get there
0: (laughs) okay everybody you know the deal it is time to give thanks to the men and women that help make the show possible i am talking about the sponsors and uh, before you decide to try to fast forward through this section, understand that you may miss a couple of great things in here. And it's important for you to show a little respect for these uh, companies that support us because without them, I wouldn't be able to afford to do this podcast. Without them, you wouldn't be able to get it for free. So check them out. And we we do the painstaking process of finding companies that I like, that I use, that we use, that we... Really respect uh, how they run their business. We really respect the work that they create Um, So they're good. They're good folks. We've done we've done the hard work for you guys First up as always our good friends over at Puget systems if you are in the market for a brand new computer um, If you're looking to build a new edit system if you're looking to build a new gaming system um, Here's some uh, hot news for you Uh, PCs are the way to go these days. Uh, They're more affordable. They're upgradable. They don't crash I don't remember the last time I had a blue screen crash at a PC. It's been ages. Um, And what I love about having a PC and owning a PC is that I don't like buying hardware. I don't like buying stuff that I know is going to be extinct in about two years. You know what I mean? Buying that object that you know it's just going to end up floating in some sea in China with fucking masks and fucking plastics. It's just going to be out there. You don't want that. I don't want that. And I firmly believe in buying equipment that can be upgraded, especially computer hardware, right? Because things are consistently changing. How many software updates will render your hardware useless? Drives me insane. So I did the hard work uh, years ago because I was tired of, uh, I'll say it, I don't care. I was tired of Apple, right? I was tired of these consistent updates. I was tired of like being phased out. I mean, it's bad enough that I've got the iPhone and like I'm battling every day. Do you guys run into the same scenario where suddenly your iPhone's full? And you're like, what the fuck, why is this full? Or it's running really slow because there's an update coming out and then you realize in the background it's been downloading the update. And you're like, stop it. Stop doing this. It's just a fucking phone. All it needs to do is answer calls, do text and check the internet. I don't need the new shit on this thing. Leave it alone. And it, with companies like that, it just feels malicious. Feels like they're just constantly trying to give you a reason to drop another fucking $1,200 on something. It's like, God damn it. Anyway, that's my rant. Go to (laughs) PugetSystems.com. Go to PugetSystems.com. I found this company. I love these guys. Um, They build custom-made PCs. What I love the most about them is that they don't manufacture hardware, so they're not peddling stuff on you, right? So they're always looking for the latest and greatest gear. They're benchmark testing everything. They're a great place to build that computer that you've always wanted. And you can customize it specifically based upon the software you're using or for the needs that you have. We're not just talking like three choices here. These guys have been out there. They've been testing everything. They've been trying it all out. They have all the great answers. Like Anytime I have issues with them, if I have an issue with my computer and it's usually because of some sort of software update or some obnoxious thing that happened, I just write to them. I'm like, guys, what the hell's going on? Oh, yeah, no, we're up on this, and this is really simple, and then all you have to do is this. I love it. I'm not on some queue. When's the last time you used your Apple Care shit? Right? I think the last time I used it, I had to wait three days for a text from them. It drove me insane. So, if you guys are in the same boat that I am, if you're sitting on the same old man porch complaining about things, then you might want to buy a PC. <laughs> <laughs> Go to pugetsystems.com and check them out. Mmm. Yeah, What a broadcaster, drinking water on the mic Alright, also up Good friends over at Quasar Science Uh, I talk about this on every episode How my favorite advancement In the movie industry has been lighting Lighting has changed um, And because of LED lighting It has changed the way we uh, See our television shows The way our movies look Um, But from a technical standpoint It also changes the way you plan for these things Because LED units don't require As much power which in turn oftentimes doesn't mean that you need to get a generator and multiple guys to run the generator, then permits to put it on the street. Especially if you're doing that here in California, as soon as you get out a generator, then everything jacks up in price, right? Suddenly the location needs more money. Suddenly you have permits. You're permitting for like three streets across the way because those people standing on the streets are watching you. You need a permit for that too. It's insane out here as far as shooting goes. Um, But uh, the great thing about LEDs is they, they draw low power. And they have really great output on a lot of units now. So you can actually do all that stuff you see on those Marvel movies now. You can just buy a bunch of LED lights and string them all together and program them through a board, right? And a lot of these lights are rainbow LEDs, so you can run through any color of the rainbow. Plus, the thing I really like about them is that they look for the highest quality LED uh, components. So these lights are consistent, and that's a big deal. I don't know if you guys have run into the same situations that I have in the past, where you're like, I'm just going to buy the cheap fucking LED thing from China on uh, eBay, right? And you get it, and then in one shot, the light that's supposed to be white is green. And in the next shot, it's magenta. And so you're in the color grading process, desperately trying to find a happy medium between all this crap. You know? At the end of the day, you try to save a buck, you end up spending a buck somewhere else. And that whole old adage, the... Fix it and post thing, well, that generally means that you're going to be working for free for a long time. So save yourself the time, save yourself the energy, keep your girlfriend from yelling at you because you don't spend enough time with her on Fridays because you're busy color correcting out bullshit fucking LEDs. Go check out quasarscience.com and look at the best of the best. Like if you have a quasar unit, you pull that out of your bag and there's a gaffer there hanging out, he's going to look at you and go, This guy knows what's up, right? Mm. I've been saying write a lot on the show, and I'm I'm gonna I'm turning into it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it even further, right? <laughs> uh, let's see what else is going on. Oh, our new sponsors, and uh, if you have been doing the good thing and following me on Instagram, and you guys listened to our prior episode, the one I did on what's your favorite movie you know about these guys i'm talking about movie tees that's m-o-v-i-t-e-e-s movie tees they create some of the nerdiest coolest movie t-shirts out there if you want to be that cool person on set you want to get nods from the director who's like hey sweet t-shirt you got to buy one of theirs man i love them these guys um basically pay homage to all their favorite movies by creating the logos from these films. So inside of all these movies, there's usually a company, there's usually an evil corporation, right? You think of Skynet, right? Wayland. So all those stuff, they end up creating like these really uh, cool, well-crafted, well-put-together t-shirts. And what they're saying is that they're making fan art for dedicated fans looking for unique and exclusive items for their favorite films and TV shows. Very exclusive, I will say that. Fan art that pays tribute to TV and movie history. Totally. Uh, they say that they are powered by great movies. And I love that about them. So go on over to movietees.com. Check out the list of films uh, that they pay homage to. All my favorites are up there. I'm telling you, if you rattle off a favorite movie, they have a t-shirt for it. So head on over there. And if you do go, and you love the show, if you do go there, we're going to hook you up. If you use the promo code ILWP, you get 10% off. Like I said, promo code ILWP, 10% off, and that is movietees.com. That's M-O-V-I-T-E-E-S.com. Go check them out. And while you're on the internet, while you've opened up your browser, head on over to inlovewiththeprocess.com. There, you'll find all of our episodes curated by subject material. So if you want to listen to shows with all the directors, if you want to listen to shows with the actresses, that is the place to go and check it out. Um, You can also donate to the show. I just updated our donation button. It's up there, so you can give us some cash. Um, But if you can't afford cash, because a lot of us can't right now because we're still in pseudo lockdown, um, you can donate to the show by signing up for a free trial at Audible. If you haven't done so already, right? If you've already done it on someone else's podcast, then you can't do it again. But if not... Sign up for a free trial at Audible.com. There you'll get access to some amazing audiobooks. You'll get a free book. You'll get 30 days for free there. Plus they have all this other really great audio content. And I love it, dude. I have been listening to a bunch of stuff right now. I I finished Ready Player Two, which was pretty cool. The ending was was great, actually. The ending came together really great. Um, And he actually talks about a lot of really interesting theories on... What happens, and I don't want to spoil anything, but what happens if you're uploaded to a system? Like, what happens if you become AI yourself? What does that mean for your body, and what does that mean for your consciousness? There's a lot of really fascinating stuff in there. Um, but, I am reading right now, which was an accidental find. I am reading uh, Talking to Strangers, written by Malcolm Gladwell, and it's fucking fantastic. It's a really good book. He actually talks about how we take for granted how we uh what what uh, senses we use to sort of understand a stranger right like facial expressions we assume that facial expressions mean the same thing for everybody like you see a shocked face you assume that it means the same for everybody you know that person's scared that person's upset um but they they actually go through and they talk about studies that have happened on smaller islands uh, places where uh, the populace isn't as connected to the internet and connected to pop culture as we are and they would look at the same expressions and actually See to something else, right? they may see like the, the that epic painting the scream They may see that as being angry and not scared So it's fascinating and it goes it goes deep into how judges when they decide who will get a um, Uh, who can post bail or not they actually part of their system is like I need to see you I need to see your face I need to see uh, if you are innocent or not and they actually ran a a study and I'm gonna fuck this up but they ran a study with an AI and they had an AI go through the process of looking at all these different records and all this different stuff and deciding if that person uh, was worthy of getting uh, posting bail or not and they did the same thing with the judges And the judges, I forget the numbers, and I shouldn't have started this without writing it down, but the judges were something like 20% correct. Like the AI blew them away. And that was because the AI really doesn't take in that factor, which is, I wanna look at this person and decide whether or not they're trustworthy. It's fascinating. It's really interesting, because it makes me double think how I do that, right? Because that's a big thing for me too. I don't wanna work with you unless we hang out in person. I don't wanna work with you unless I see you. And then it makes you question, like, am I perceiving what this person is putting out there the right way? Right? And you know, if you wanted to get even more sinister with it, is this person just really good at manipulating how I generally perceive things? And I think one of the points that they make in this book so perfectly is that human beings automatically default to trust as opposed to mistrust. And in order for a society to work, You need to do that It's a great book It's really cool So go check it out And like I said Sign up for our free trial At audible.com The link is below the episode I think it's audibletrial.com Backslash in love with the process Um, But do that And like I said You're going to want to stick around Because there's a ton to read There's a ton to do I've got a bunch of credits So I'm going to be on there For a while Um, But if you have to cancel Cancel We still get paid So not a big deal I know I'm sure Audible would hate me For saying that But that's the truth there it is all right, let's get back to it. I'm excited about this episode. Sam is great. See you guys. Well, what I, what I also find interesting too, is that oftentimes, you know, cause I'm in the process right now of planning out a movie. And so you're, you're looking at script, you're looking at a page. And for me, there are keyframes that I, that I see. Like I'll be like, Oh, this is going to be fucking amazing. And this will be backlight like, like this. And this will look really great. But there's a whole lot of in between. There's a whole lot of filler. You know what I mean? Like there's those transitions, like the, like the shot you sketched for Jaws. You know what I mean? That's a transitional yeah. shot. So you have all like these little yeah. moments that you're hoping for inspiration on. You're hoping to find. And when you first, when I first started in this business, my keyframes are really great. Like if I shot stuff, it would look like my keyframes. And then the in-betweens were still kind of trying to find themselves. And I, as an artist, I was doubting myself because I didn't see the entire movie or my entire quote unquote style in my head as I was pre-planning these things. And I find that as I continue now, and I've, I've got years on some old projects, you know, eight years on an old project, and I've had time to sort of digest it. Now I know that that's my style to a certain extent. And so now when I'm preconceiving yeah. things, the work that was accidentally created now becomes part of my, my style, my preconception. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. weird. I don't know if you feel the same way.
1: Yeah, totally. Because it's like you're, you're always you're kind of forging ahead and you just, each thing you're doing, and no matter how much work you've done already, there's part of you that just thinks like I don't. how Have I ever done anything? Like, I I don't know how <laughs> I'm going to finish this thing. Like I don't. I can, you can't almost see almost like the next brushstroke in a way, or at least you can't see the end when you're in the middle of it, and then you're just you're kind of slogging through it. Just like uh, you and you just end up trusting yourself, and you just realize that every other time you've done something, you know. It's cliche, but it's just one brushstroke at a time. Mm-hmm. But in your head, in your head, the frustration is always like, you're just desperate to get to that. You're desperate to finish it at the same time while being in a flow state, enjoying the moment. That's the weird thing I might find about painting. Like I love painting, but maybe it's partly if I'm because I'm, you know, now working commercially most of the time, either making a poster, or I'm working for a client. You're, you know, you're trying to finish the thing because you're trying to earn some money from it as well. So, mm-hmm. um, it's uh it's an interesting balance you've got to strike.
0: It's fascinating
1: having this, um, having this focus of you're going to get there. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, you're gonna get. It's gonna be decent in the end, but also just you got to try and enjoy it while you do it because the whole point is just you know that, like, with, to quote Bob Ross, but you know the joy of painting is like. Just, just making it is fun, you know, and and it's easy to forget that sometimes.
0: Totally is, man. I mean, I, I mean that's what the show's about. The show's about sort of remembering that that little details, those steps are ninety nine percent of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the finished product. I mean, it, and I, I don't know if it's the same way for you as it is for me with movies, but I feel like the finished product, I, I may have a moment where I sort of admire it and go, this is really great. But then you're sort of confronting the depression of the fact that like, oh, I'm done now. What am I doing? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, You yeah. know? Absolutely. Um, and it's a weird, uh, I find for me, um, it's also now, I guess it's a social media thing too, which maybe makes it more of a pronounced effect. And it'll obviously at any point working, uh, creatively, you make a thing and it comes out into the world, right? But the the fact is, you know, now we can make something and then, you know, it can almost immediately uh, be be out there if you want it to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, one one thing I always try and do is if if I think i finished a piece, unless there's a deadline where it absolutely has to go, I will always give it like an overnight test where I'll look at it again the next day,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and inevitably spend like another day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the night before I thought it was done. And, you know, you've got to separate out how much is that true and how much is it you were just tired. Um, so you get a fresh look the next day, uh, then you can really finish it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: and uh, I'm looking at a painting and I'm kind of going, is there anything about this that in in three months' time is going to really annoy me that I didn't do now? Like now I'm tired, and I want it to be done. But I try and like really almost like project myself into the future am, am i gonna hate this soon <laughs> or will i be able to live with it for the rest of my life because that's it once the thing is out there you know it's out there
0: well people forget that there's a lot of monotony in the finishing of any of these things you know like when you're in yeah, the, yeah. when you're in the back end you know for me like i'll find excitement if i'm shooting a photograph i'd find excitement in the initial framing and be like okay this is really great and then if I go yep. through the post-process of, of it and sort of doing the Photoshop thing and I start applying my filters the way I would do it and I do my washes and I do all that and then I'm like, well, it's really nice. And then it's really great. And then you get into the details of it where it's like, oh, I got to clean up this fabric on this thing or I got to do this. And you're just sort of deep in it, you know, and you're using like the clone yeah. stamp tool and you're just like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> you know, uh-huh.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, obviously, and then as a painter, obviously, you know, you're, whilst you're using Photoshop, you know, obviously you must never use the clone tool kind of thing. <laughs> it's all what we done by done by hand, so you can't even, you know, fall back on that, but um, it's interesting because, you yeah, know, if you basically, uh, I guess the painting process from, for most people would be, you know, you basically start with a big brush and then you're gradually getting in closer and closer in mm-hmm. and then you'll get, you know, your brush is getting smaller and smaller. And as it does that, it's this, like, reductionism of... Um, then you're noticing some of the really tiny things that you want to fix. Mm-hmm. And once you start to fix one at a certain like level of, of zoom or whatever, let's say, you know, 75% in then, then it's like, oh no, that, that opens up all these other things <laughs> or like, oh, now I've seen, now I've seen 500 other little brushstrokes. I've got to tweak to, to match that one. Um, there's one amazing analogy I heard about um, the, the writer PG Woodhouse. Mm-hmm. where he, he had this system. Like he's perhaps, I don't know, one of the funniest writers of all time. But um, what he would do is when he had a really good page, he would put it at the top of the ceiling. Oh, sorry, put it at the top of the wall, right? So it'd be right along the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And then he would look at all his other pages and his goal was to get all the other page Like that would be his funniest page. And his goal would be to get all the other pages up to that. like So he could put them at that level on the wall like that to me is a really great way of thinking about you know not that i'm literally doing that with my artwork um but just in your head like even within a piece like maybe there's one section that's really good but another section still needs work yeah so in in my head it's like right i need to this needs to step up to that other level that i've done elsewhere you know
0: yeah no trying to find that that routine or or um trying to find that discipline to do that is often tough. Uh, and, and uh, you know, sometimes when I do work for clients, like if I'm doing a music video or something and it has the same sort of insane schedule, like an illustration for you would, uh, I'm, th- I'm kind of thankful of the deadline because oftentimes yeah. the deadline saves my saves my craziness where I'm I like, know. I could be tweaking this for two years, but I, I have no choices. Do next week, thank God. Okay, it's out of here.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the choice is taken away from me then. And that... Yeah, that's, that's why the same, like, you know, deadlines are, are often great. Um, and some of the stuff that takes so long is actually, yeah, where well, you haven't got one. So, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, the fact is movie posters can be like that because um, it's often a case of, uh, for me, like, say the Jaws one, that's probably like three weeks of painting. But while I was doing that, I mean, maybe it's two weeks, but then I would have been doing other stuff at the same time. So it probably took, it probably took five weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, around other stuff, but I also like that because I find that um, because my stuff is very detailed most of the time, um, I get to a point where I just run out of energy. I just I feel like burned out on a particular thing, whether I'm rendering or whatever, and then it's actually fun to then jump onto a new one where I'm at a more of a sketchy stage because mm-hmm. that's much that's much looser. So I can I find myself going between like like I'm finishing off um, a Blu-ray cover at the moment. I'm getting very close to the end, Cool. but it's also on the real kind of finer, some of the finer points need need finessing. And then I've got a poster that's a, a, a kind of in a middle stage, so it, it's I'm I'm getting down to the smaller brushes, but I'm still doing some of the looser stuff, just getting it all in place. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I, and then today I also started a sketch, just a sketch for another poster because I try and like have a good system of. Um, I'm, I want to be finishing one thing like halfway through another. And then I want to have another, because in the case of a, a licensed poster, um, the sketch is going to need to be approved. So I want to get a sketch in so that hopefully if I finish one poster, I'm going to get a green light on my next one. Okay. So it's trying to keep that. It, it's lot like a, you know, a production line that I'm trying to trying to keep going. It doesn't always work. You know, sometimes you, it just, you know, you get a slow piece of feedback and it, it can grind right to a halt, but yeah. My general plan is that I'm always trying to do that. And and I just find that helps me creatively anyway, because like I say, it, I, I can get I can wear myself out on, on one piece of the really crazy stuff. And then I, I I find out right, I'm sick of that. I cannot look at that anymore. Then you go and do the other thing that's at an earlier stage. And then by the time you come back, then there's another point where you feel, okay, now I'm ready to do those tiny brush strokes on this thing to finish it. Yeah. Uh, And then you also also have the bonus of you get a fresh look at it. So,
0: yeah, totally. And there's something nice. I I wish I had that right now. There's something nice about having multiple projects going at the same time because it gives you perspective on each of them. Because I like where I'm at right now is I'm deep in in prep on like this one. And so, especially with films, it's always so tough because they can just dissolve and they can just disappear in a heartbeat. So, You're you're always just worried about putting your heart into something. It's like you're, you know, you're you're trying to raise. You know, I guess it's like raising a kid. You're trying to raise this kid, and you know it's going to mm. be taken away for you. Don't want it to be taken away. You want it to like grow up and do its thing. And and so yeah. um, I like to oftentimes have multiple projects because it helps me shield my heart a little bit because I'm just like okay, I got mm-hmm. this other thing going on. So if this thing gets stalled, not a big deal. Um, but sometimes that doesn't yeah, happen. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And that also is the same for, uh, then there's the other side of it, which is um, it, in the case of a poster or anything or a magazine cover, that thing's going to be released. And, and, and by the time that comes out on social media, whether it's you posting it or someone else, you actually want to be almost a step removed from it where, you know, you did it. You're proud of it, hopefully. But, mm-hmm. you know, you want to be almost like my younger self did that, even if it was like a week ago or whatever. But you're you, because you're onto the next thing. It gives you a you're a bit removed. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're just if you're just sitting there and that's the only thing you've got that you've done, uh, then everything then it's like there's almost too much weight on that one thing. Yeah, exactly. Which frankly, you know, it's never gonna get. You know, it's never gonna go as viral as you hope, right? Or you know, um, if at all, right? So there's just all that weight on everything. And um, but if you're just put that to one side uh, you know, that's good. Whatever's going to happen with that thing is going to happen. It's just out of your hands. Now mm-hmm. obviously, you know, you have to promote and you have to get the word out as much as you can, but you can also, if you can move on creatively and then you're just working the next thing, then I find like it takes away again, it's like shielding your heart a bit because you know, <laughs> if you to make a poster is a very personal thing or any work of art. Um, and you, the moment you share that, it's like, you know, this is what I wanted to do for this. And, you know, hopefully people will come with you, but not everyone's going to like it. Some people will, some people won't. Most people will be totally indifferent to it. So that's the worst. Oh so yeah, like, yeah, that's the
0: worst. The indifference is worse. <laughs> I'd rather have people hate it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, there's that for sure. You know? I mean, I always blame, you can always blame indifference on an algorithm, though.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and then the mindless drooling sort of scrolling that most people do these days. Yeah, that too. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, so, technically, what are you doing? Are you are you doing most of your drawing digitally these days?
1: Yeah, I am. So, I um, I work on a, a Wacom Cintiq. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, I guess, like a giant iPad, basically. I've got one, yeah. Uh, that's that's really the best way for me for me to work. But my background was in kind of was in fine art, so acrylics, oils, and you know pencils and everything else. Um, and I just always was, always was into. So as a teenager, I did I did A level art, and I was really inspired by David Hockney, mm-hmm. um, in particular. And I was painting a lot in acrylics and doing a lot of portraits of, I guess, of family and friends. And that was just always what I was doing. And then when it was only later on that I realized like my kind of pop culture love could kind of be fused with that. So I was um, basically starting to paint digitally, but my sensibility has always been initially I was using painter, which like now Photoshop has got lots and lots of amazing brushes, Mm -hmm. partly thanks to uh, Kyle Webster, who was an artist who was finding the Photoshop brushes weren't great. So he made loads and then Adobe bought him out. I mean, that's a whole other story, but, um, but now Photoshop is great for painting. Before that painter was kind of the best where you could, you can, and you know, it's still a good, good package, but you can really mimic uh, traditional media really well. So watercolors and, and oils and everything else. So I was my initial kind of experience with digital painting were like, how close can I get to the stuff I was doing before? Mm -hmm. Um, and the answer was very close, but then you have the benefit of, you know, everything that digital gives you. So, um, I guess I'm trying to, most of my stuff is like, as I say, I want it to feel like a painting, but there's certain, I don't know, more, I'm also influenced by, by special effects and, you know, and animation, I guess. So sometimes you want, I don't know, a bit of an extra glow on something that, you know, is a painting, you know, of course you can do anything, but I like having that. And the thing about the blank canvas as well, I think one other thing I actually like is I like not quite knowing where my stuff is going. So mm. I tend to dive in and yeah, I've got a sketch and I have a, I generally have a plan, but I actually do like it when there's a little bit of uncertainty of, I'm not quite sure what the color balance is going to be at the end. I haven't quite figured that out or Mm -hmm. like, uh, like I know this bit of the composition definitely works, but if I find a better reference later when I'm going back for the movie, I don't mind changing it. You know, Mm -hmm. for me, it's all about hitting it really kind of fast and just getting it going. Um, Whereas other people I think maybe spend longer just doing lots of sketches.
0: It's, it changed my world because I would do all of my, I would do all of my uh, storyboards pen, and, you know, pencil and paper still, and I would just go through the process of like sketching out each board. But I found that when I moved into Photoshop and I started to use the Cintiq and I started to go through that process, it really opened the world and freed it to me because everything wasn't so precious. Like each each stroke isn't precious. I can always change those things if I'm if I'm backing up layers. If I'm backing up stuff, I can always go back. So that that level of stuff really changed stuff for me, but. It also really opened up the world as far as pitching goes. Because when we pitch, we put together lookbooks. And most of the time when you're pitching a film, you're you're having to reference other films. And the danger that I've always found with lookbooks is that there's usually something I like about that frame, but it's very specific. So I may grab an image from Jaws because I like the outfit that the guy's wearing in it you know what i mean and it's like so the outfit is the reason but when you send that book out to people they may attach themselves to something completely different they may be like i uh don't like the way it's lit i don't like the color balance. i don't Mm -hmm. like the the atmosphere and what i was able to do in photoshop is basically photo smash stuff where i can bring in frames for stuff that i needed basically uh recreate the sketch of that person and then change the lighting change the way it looks and actually designed the lighting to feel uh, more the way I saw it in my head, which at the end of the day, what you're trying to do is convey, <laughs> you're trying to take this like little idea and get it out of your mouth into someone else's head. Yeah. At least 80% of what you saw, you know? Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. And it's that thing of like being able to get them to believe you have to get enough of it across where they believe that you can do it and they want you to do it and they're going to commission it. Yeah. But also, you don't want to have gone so far where you've got no, no room where if it does get the go ahead, you still want to have enough like wiggle room to evolve it. Yeah. It's trying to get that, 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 that's, that's the tough bit, isn't it? It um, is, man. And, and, and when you have an, when you have a, and it happens with illustration too, like um, a client might come to you and like in theory, they like your stuff, but then I've had situations where they say like, we love what you do. And then they'll send you a lookbook, and then there'll be loads of other artists work on there that isn't, Really, in your wheelhouse at all? It's like, well, why don't you just ask those people, you know? And it's um so sometimes there's a, a thing you know, trying to. You can be seen as an illustrator, almost like as a catch-all term, but obviously there's, you know, a gazillion different different styles. Yeah, and some some of which is going to work best for some things and not for others, you know.
0: Totally, man, and it's that way with any sort of art form, and the difficulty ultimately. You know, the, I think the struggle between art and commerce has always been, how do I take something that is inspired and put it on a schedule and put it into the system that is in place for approvals at whatever outlet that I'm giving it to? And that that that's always the struggle, I feel like, with me, especially when you're starting out and you're getting started and people don't really know your style yet and they don't know, you don't have that track record of like of delivering yeah. and you don't have that performance record um that it's really hard to sort of convince people like let me just do my thing and you're gonna fucking you're gonna really like it you know you have to go through (laughs) these ridiculous stages and and then when you're like you said if you're showing another piece of work or if if the client is showing another piece of work it's like are you becoming attached to that are you attached to that specific style or that specific lighting does that mean now i have to do that like like what are we doing here you know
1: yeah yeah it's it's, it's interesting because you end up um you often end up finding that you know whatever work kind of ends up in your portfolio that that's what you're going to be asked to do so mm-hmm. i mean one thing i've been trying to do um especially in the case of advertising i think so like you know so i i mostly draw uh movie characters right i could be doing more sports stuff um but it's kind of finding the time to do that so it's almost like you're not going to get commissioned to do the sports stuff unless. So even 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 if they can see that you can like capture someone's likeness who's an actor, they almost like a, a client's not going to believe that you can do a sports person, right? <laughs> do an do an athlete because they have they can't see it mm-hmm. and they're they're sort of scared to imagine that or like they can't risk that with their boss whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So so an, so another thing I'm trying to do, um, you know, almost like work for my. For my agents to represent me, you know, have shown my work to to ad agencies and stuff. I'm, I'm trying to have other examples that, because you know, whilst movies and pop culture, video games, that is what I love to do. You know, I want to work as a commercial artist, so right, um, you know, I can be. it's I can take my style and it can work for other things, you know, basically. So, but like like I say, unless you have those examples. No one really believes that. <laughs> or no one's going to take that risk.
0: I mean, that that happens with everybody, man. I, I, I call it the red sneaker move because I, I, I ran into this when I was doing photography where I was up for a job and, and uh, I think it was for like taking photos of shoes or something. I was up for a job of shoes and they handed in my portfolio and... <laughs> And the client was like, Yeah, but can he shoot red sneakers? <laughs> you're just like,
1: <laughs> you're like
0: What? <laughs> but the the thing that you yeah. forget is that there's so many people that want to get into this business. There's so many people out there that are photographers, um, that the clients literally have like the creative Walmart that they can go to and walk down yeah. an aisle and go, now This guy does, you know he paints upside down sheep and, and like sports people. Let's dick him. You know, and it's, it's weird yeah. to try to stand yeah. out in that world. And do you, do you find it difficult?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's always, it's, it's really tricky. Um, I, I'm very lucky in that I'm able to, at the moment, like work on my movie poster stuff. And if I get advertising work, um, through my agents, mm-hmm. um, then, then that's great. You know, um, as I say, I, I kind of, I feel like I could expand more in that way, it, but I need to kind of diversify what I show I can, I can do because of that thing is like, as I say, you, that, that person just needs to, to be able to sell it to their boss. They've got to say, look, this guy's drawn someone with red sneakers, you know, so look, he can do it. <laughs> like you say, it's like, uh, if, uh, if you haven't got that example um you know you're unlikely to get the work so um but you know I've've been, been really lucky I've got, I've got to do some really cool projects so I just um, you know certainly can't complain but it's uh, it, yeah it can be frustrating because obviously you, you see stuff that's out there and you think well you know that could have been me um even if it's in a bit of a different genre to what people are used to well no that's uh you know
0: the that's dip- just how it goes. the difficulty in that though Is uh, something that I definitely ran into where you end up, you can start chasing that too, where you're like, well, I need to have all this stuff on my reel. So then you start banging out the stuff that you're really not doing well, that your heart's really not into just because you want to have that reel. And and then you end up becoming one of those artists that just has that, you know, great work, but there's no heart behind it. And then the client doesn't hire you because there's no heart behind it so yeah exactly it's a tough it's a tough game and a lot of people that are listening i know deal with the same thing because i get these questions all the time like how do you get to work and what do you do and what should i do and my advice to them is always find the thing that you love to do and lean into it and do it really do it really well because that's what people are going to hire you for you know
1: yeah yeah totally yeah like you know i'm saying on one hand you know i want to try and diversify do more athletes and stuff but the reality is if i get time like i do think it's really important to do personal work and i still try to even though you know i have less time these days but if i get a good idea it, it tends to be in pop culture so you know i go and do uh, another portrait of an actor or a superhero or a robot <laughs> that i've not done before you know and and then you know so it perpetuates itself so you know you, you end up uh, but like you say i think it's it's just that it's just getting that balance like you want to be recognized for a certain thing, but not to the point where it, you know, you pigeonhole yourself. right? Yeah, but,
0: Yeah. yeah it's, you know. it's difficult. It's difficult. And, you know, talking about your personal work, uh, you're in the crowd series. I love those. And it makes me think of I just finished reading Ready Player Two. It makes me think of the Ready Player series when I look at that.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, actually, they are private. They were private commissions. Those ones. Um, so I, I do need to give a shout out to, to to Russell who commissioned those. So I've done three in that series. Um, the first one was Times Square, New York, mm-hmm. and basically uh, the client had this idea of like, what are all the '80s movies where characters are either pass through or go to Times Square, <laughs> and like, so he's as you can imagine. I mean, I'm. I'm an '80s kid. Uh, I've got a pretty good knowledge of '80s movies, um, but you know he's like just an encyclopedia. <laughs> and so, it, and the, the the cool, the really cool thing about all those pieces was what he realised was the important thing would be you you can't just put all the characters in. It's like what groups would they be in, <laughs> um, and especially in the, like the Teen Wolf one, where all the characters on the on the bleachers, they're in the social groups like from different movies. So you got you got the jocks in one area, the nerds in another, and, and like it's the way that they're all. You believe that if they were in the same high school uh, at the same time, you know that the groups they'd be, and so that's kind of really, the really cool thing about that. So he would, so he basically gave me the groups and you know a list of the characters, and then everything else, you know, then it's like okay, over to me to figure out. So I've got to say, like that's one of those pieces, like I was saying about when you're in the in the middle of something. And you just feel like, what am I even doing? Like they, Those those were definitely the hardest things I've ever done. Yeah. Um, in terms of like, they, they probably took about, each of them took at least a, two or three weeks just to plan out how on earth, like where everyone would be. Wow. Uh, because going through all the movies to find, you know, the references and everything. So And the way I did it was with like Teen Wolf and then the Space Diner especially. I had to, it's basically done with like um there's almost like infinite vanishing points. So there's kind of, the background is set on a central vanishing point, Mm -hmm. but the, all the other characters really kind of have their own because you're basically trying to find, you know, uh, in, in the case of the diner, you want to find the character sitting down. So if you, as you go from left to right in that big panorama, obviously you wouldn't exactly get that effect. They'd be getting more kind of uh, side on, more distorted as you get further out, but you kind of treat it like you're only going to look at one section of that at a time yeah so it's a bit of an illusion but um but yeah they were great to do and i you know very grateful that i was commissioned to do something so ambitious but a man at the time yeah but the great thing is like now like the last one i did was like i guess a couple of years ago and the cool thing is now um you know every now and again there's some excuse or reason to to share them on social media um like last week i put bernie <laughs> Bernie Sanders in there, you know, and, um, you know, they always get a great reaction from people who've not seen them before. So, and, but I always have to say private commission, I'm afraid not for sale. Um, <laughs> yeah. no, but I, I have thought about doing, I mean, I have thought about doing a fourth one where I would do it like a crowdfunding type thing, uh-huh. um, and get, get people to, uh, to, you know, put their money where their mouth is kind of thing and do do, a, do another one, um, of another kind of eighties location, but yeah. we'll see. I, I don't know if I want to put myself through it, but I also—it's kind of that weird thing. I'd love to, but I'd also hate
0: to. <laughs> uh, I'm te- dude, I'm telling you, like I don't know if you've read the books, but there's—I don't want to spoil anything for people that haven't read Ready Player Two, but there are specific yeah. planets on in that book. Like I, I'll just say a spoiler alert to anybody listening, so you can stop for <laughs> a second. But there is a John yeah. Hughes planet where like all (laughs) the different characters and different variations of the same actors are all hanging out together. It's fascinating.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, um, yeah, I read the, I read the first book before the movie came out. I was just like, I I just about finished it just before actually, because I'm one of those books i would meant to get around to and never had. Mm -hmm. It was really interesting though, to do it that way around to just, just about finish it, finish the book and then, then watch the movie Mm -hmm. and just, they're they're both really interesting, like um, in different ways. And, that it's kind of cool to, see. it makes sense how they didn't do certain things in the movie, but did other things. And it's oh, totally. a really interesting project.
0: Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Because the, in the original book, the shining sequence wasn't even in there. That was, uh, they did yeah. a whole Blade Runner sequence and it, and then of course the, they're going to release the movie the same year that uh, Blade Runner 2049 is coming out or whatever it was. So, yeah. so I'm sure yeah. that there was a huge licensing issue that happened with them. The fact that they were yeah. even able to make that movie at all, the fact that they got Spielberg was like, wow, A. And then B, mm. the just the licensing nightmare to make that movie must have been insane, <laughs> dude.
1: It's unbelievable. Yeah, like you say, it's amazing it, it came out at all, but that's some Yeah, we actually just I just watched that again. It's um I don't know, it's uh it's a. Uh, I I really do enjoy it. There's something there's also stuff about it that doesn't quite work, I think. But, yep, you know, totally, totally. You know, it's
0: not Spielberg's best movie. But. No, no, by no means. I think I really enjoy, like, the opening of that movie. It starts to really fall apart as you get into the back end. Um, but, you know, it's it was fun, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I feel the same way Sorry. about it, where I'm like... The, the book, when I originally picked up... Because I picked up the book when I was flying somewhere, and I just grabbed it in the airport... And I always have so much trouble reading these days because I just don't have the attention span for it because with everything else that's happening. Um, but I, I I plowed through that book. I remember reading that book in like three days and I was like, whoa. Um, yeah. The second one is okay. It's all right. It's not mm-hmm. as good as the first. It, it tackles some interesting stuff, but then... It starts to get so nerdy and so deep into like <laughs> specifics that you're like, uh, I'm not really into the origins of this Sega game. Yeah. And so like, <laughs> y- you know, you lose me for like, you know, five chapters.
1: <laughs> Whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, I think if I do it, it's going to be an audiobook, you know. I'll... Yeah, that's
0: what I did. I did the audiobook. And yeah. and it was uh, you know, drifted it was still time time. It was still a thing. Like I, there were moments where I'm like, I drifted. What was happening? Okay. I got to <laughs> I got to rewind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but hey, man. So where are we at? Okay, so I think we're, we're hitting our limit here. Um, mm-hmm. I really, you. I could talk to you all day, man. I, there's so much stuff <laughs> to get yeah, into. Sure. Um, at this point in the podcast, what I usually do is I ask the guests to give some advice to the younger listeners, the younger illustrators that are out there um, trying to make it in this business. And with everything that we've talked about, I would probably say. What, it's interesting, like the system that you have in place to stay motivated and to stay going, you know, and that the fact that you're, you're, you're slowly rolling out work so that you're constantly working. Are you afraid of not working? And do you find that when you hit one of those low spots, you have trouble picking up again, or are you just trying to get the work finished? Like, how does that work for you?
1: Uh, Yeah, for me, it's, I've I've just, um, other than, you know, for some health reason or, you know, some other reason, not being able to do it, in my head, I just, I have just hundreds of ideas, like, the fact is, I'm not going to live long enough, I know, to get, to make most of the stuff done that I want to make, so, (laughs) especially because my, you know, my own fault, my stuff's so detailed, (laughs) I haven't helped myself, right, it's going to, it just takes me so long to Mm. do a poster or whatever, so yeah, for me, I don't, don't I'm very lucky, I don't have that problem, it's just... I've just got to stay, I just I'd need to stay focused and, um, you know, I, I'm excited. The point is I'm always excited about the next thing I'm going to do. Uh, and I've always got enough things that I want to do, whether it's, whether it's, uh, I mean, commissions, obviously they come and go and you never know. Right. Mm-hmm. So hopefully there'll be some good ones that come along. Um, and I, you know, I've got some fun stuff at the moment, but, um, and if I'm lucky enough to keep doing licensed posters, then, you know, there are countless that I can think of doing. Um, and then you know same for personal work I always I guess I suppose I feel like I just know now I feel like I'm a point where if I don't get any commercial work or you know no commissions come in I can just sustain myself with my own stuff uh I mean hopefully financially but just in terms of creatively I'm just gonna you know there's so many things I just want to make that I would just make and it's very you know it's nice to be at a point where i know i can make a thing and i can show it to quite a few people very quickly and you know that's a great position to be in i suppose though to kind of spin that around to you know to someone younger as a as advice who's kind of wanting to get to the point where you know and i don't necessarily see myself as being at a particularly like i feel i have you know further to go Mm -hmm. um i'm not in some incredible place compared to a lot of artists right but I guess it's all relative so if you're thinking oh you know I do a piece and no one sees it I think the the hard thing is because I guess I was doing my stuff pre-social media anyway so in that sense I had time to figure out a little bit about what my style was even though it's still evolving um, and has evolved you know over social media right but if you're if you're a kid now and you just come out of college and you you want to be an artist The temptation, I guess, is to just be like putting a load of stuff out and then you're going to feel disappointed when it maybe doesn't get the reaction you think it should have. Mm -hmm. And that partly might just be because you don't have many followers or whatever, right? But you're in this lucky position where every now and again, you might hit a sweet spot and suddenly something can take off. So that's great because that's something that didn't really exist like 10 years ago Mm -hmm. um, in that sense. But also, I think you've got to like take the pressure off yourself and really only think about the artwork, to, you know, as much as you possibly can. If you're going to be an artist, like you've really got to try and enjoy the process. Like I say, it's always that it's always that dichotomy of you're both enjoying it and hating it because it's hard. It's hard to do stuff because, especially knowing you're going people are gonna see it, right? Um, but as much as you can be on that side of the meter of like enjoying it. Uh, and then, like I say, what's your next thing going to be? Just keep moving, just keep going. And over time, gradually, like, you know, some people are really lucky uh, or and or talented where they have a an overnight success kind of story mm-hmm. that does happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for most people, and it's certainly not been like that for me, for me, it's been a very gradual, you know, it's like one one punch at a time. It's just you're gradually inching forward sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um And the cool thing about that, though, I think, is then any, for me, any success that I've had, I feel like, well, you know, I know, I know what it took to get to that point. And I guess maybe if you, if it suddenly all happened, you know, overnight, as it were, you would maybe always feel like, I don't know, would you really be as grateful for it? I don't know. True. So, you know. Yeah, it's true, man. for anyone out there, just, you know, just make things. That's that's really all it is. And over time, more people will see it. You'll get more confident. Um, but it, I find, like, I don't know about you, as I get kind of older and more experienced, I find myself almost questioning myself more. Whereas when you're younger, you're just kind of like, oh, I just want to do this thing and you do it. And then as you kind of get a bit more experienced, and maybe it's partly knowing that more people will see it as well mm-hmm. sometimes that can take away your confidence to a certain extent as well because you're you're suddenly like oh i guess it's like having a big hit with a, your first album and then it's like <laughs> uh what do you do for the follow-up right
0: exactly um, exactly exactly i mean i i've always had uh, a lot of sympathy towards folks that come out with their big hit first because there's there's no way you can follow it up you know what I mean? It's it's that lightning in the bottle experience um, is almost a curse, and I, I I'm in the same boat you are, where it's like one punch at a time, and you're slowly building your portfolio, and you're slowly gaining the confidence, and you're slowly gaining the skills, and you're slowly gaining the contacts. Um, yeah. And but the the thing that's really nice about that time period is that you're also slowly able to refine not only your work but your process in your work process, and go mm-hmm. like this is what's important to me. And then this last job, but thankfully no one really saw it. That almost killed me. And these are the reasons why it almost killed <laughs> me. So I'm not going to do that, you know? Um, and yeah. there's something nice about being picked up when you're in your thirties and forties, because you've now yeah. been exposed to a lot of, you know, thieves and criminals. And you, you sort of like get through the process mm-hmm. of going, like, this guy's a jerk. You know, I get it, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, also as well, like, um, I think I definitely found earlier on, and, and it's amazing. It does take a long time to get through this, but um, if you're offered stuff as an artist, I think this is maybe the most important thing is like, obviously you want to pay the bills with it, right? So there's a temptation to say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. And the hardest thing is to to kind of have that gut instinct of like knowing this isn't the right thing for me to be doing. Or at least if I'm going to do this to pay the bills, it's probably not going to go up on my social media because Again, it's that thing. If you you put something up in your portfolio, like just because a client has paid you to do it, um, there's no, you know no harm to doing that work. If you know you need to pay the bills like like everyone else, right? But you've got to think really carefully about whether that piece should go in your portfolio. Because if it if it's in there, there's a chance if you didn't like doing it or how it turned out, there's a very good chance that someone else is going to commission you to do that again. <laughs> so. <laughs> But so, but early on, you kind of fill your portfolio with anything you got to do, right? Like mm-hmm. someone paid me to do this, someone paid me to do this, and it just—that's the thing I think that takes the time is like being able to uh, have the confidence to kind of not show all of that stuff, um, unless you're unless you feel it's what you want to be doing. Yeah. Um, and if you're not getting, I think don't worry about if you haven't got the commissions. Like, don't worry about that. If you if you just do good work, it's personal work then people will want to commission that. So you have to fill your portfolio with what you uh, what you want to do, even if it's not like uh, you can write like a big client name underneath it that commissioned it, even if it's just something you made for fun, you know?
0: So there you have it. Uh, Sam is a really cool guy, isn't he? Uh, And his work is fantastic. And those of you who are listening and uh, you, I don't know how you didn't do it yet, but you should definitely go check out his stuff. Uh, He is Sam Gilby on Instagram. That's Sam, G-I-L-B-E-Y on Instagram. That's where I found him. And you can also go check out his work. He's got a great portfolio online. Uh, it's samgilbyillustrates.com And we'll put the links below the episode um, Definitely go check it out It's it's a fun voyage through uh, pop culture uh, And it's it's a lot of fun, man I really like his work He's a really cool guy um, And uh, I love being able to get guests like the, on the show And it's because of you guys uh, Really Like I wouldn't have even known his name I wouldn't even know work if I hadn't found him on Instagram, but then if I hadn't had uh, you guys post who he was to me, which without that, we wouldn't have today's episode. So thank you, everybody. Uh, and I hope you guys enjoyed it and stay tuned as we push further into 2021 with new great episodes. I'm so excited about the guests I get lined up and I just, I, I hesitate telling you guys about them because I, you know, schedules change and things shift. Like, but I've got like this really good queue of people that were just managing dates right now. Um, so stick around and you should be excited because I sure as fuck am. <laughs> Thanks again to everybody that supports the show. Thanks to Liam for putting the show together for us at the end of the week. Thank you to all the musicians that contribute to the show. Um, and thank you for listening. And you know it, I will see you next Tuesday.